everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bible Ask Live, where we answer your Bible questions here live on our show. My name is Tina, and these are my friends Jay and Wendy here to help uh, answer your Hello. Bible questions. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> Amen. So I'm very excited because we actually got quite a few questions in this week, and we just want to uh, remind everybody that our show is live. So if you have any questions that you'd like answered, like right now, um, we'd love to um, answer them. Or if you just have a comment that you'd like to say, say your name, where you're from, how you're doing, how God's mm -hmm. blessed you this week, uh, be sure to uh, put that down in the comments below. Uh, check us out here. We're on Facebook as well as Twitch and uh, YouTube. And you can always listen to our programs on podcast. Just type in Bible Ask. And we just want to remind everybody, if you'd like your answers submitted on our show, be sure to go to BibleAsk.org forward slash live. And that's how you can go ahead and plug in those Bible questions to us. Um, and we will get them and get to have some time to prep and, and answer them on our weekly show. And remember, every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So we are super excited because we got a lot of questions, right? So, Lightning round. Yes. Lightning. The I entire, like the entire episode. It's yes. funny. We go through these phases where it's like one week there's nothing, and then the next week there's like just so many. Well, there's like a little. <laughs> yeah, yes, not nothing. Morning. But I mean, comparatively, you know, we it drops way down, and then another week it's like yeah. super high. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure yeah feast or family that's how it is uh, that's kind of how work is in general i think too yeah so. and look we just actually got our first question from a facebook uh user today and you know we can't see your name unless you grant access to Streamyard. so if you would like to reveal yourself we would love to know who you are um but uh shall we start with this question or i'm down this one, okay, so this person says, what makes you think Satan was in the Garden of Eden as the influence of the serpent? You want to start? Go ahead with that one, Tina. No, 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 you start. Or no, 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 me. I mean, I'm going to be talking a lot today. I think, go ahead with that. Well, if you don't mind, I'm just going to do this real quick. <laughs> Pull it out. All right, but, let me grab. Sorry, I gotta <laughs> grab things sometimes. No Multitask. problem. That's the life of a mom, though, right? It's just like all you do all day long. So, uh, what I would definitely say as far as why do I think Satan was in the Garden of Eden? Well, first of all, it says so in Genesis chapter 3. If you want to go there really quick, um, Genesis 3, and it talks about uh, the serpent. So actually, you know what, before we start opening God's word, do you mind if we have a quick word of prayer? Oh, yes. Thank you. We got so excited with the first question there. We skipped <laughs> exactly. that important step. <laughs> I know. I just don't like to open up God's word without praying first. Uh, Jay or Wendy, would yes. you mind praying for us? I could. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for getting us through another work week, and we pray that you please be with us today as we do open up your word. Please send your spirit to be with each of us, those of those of us speaking, those of us listening, that your truth may be heard. And we thank you for giving us your word that we may learn about you. This we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 So um, as far as the Satan being in the Garden of Eden, it's pretty clear. Um, if you look at Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 1, 
Um, and I'll actually just read verses one and two. And it says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, shall you not eat of every tree of the garden? And then it goes on to say that, you know, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. If you keep going, sorry, in verse three. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So basically we see here this um, serpent is tempting Eve and questioning God's word. So he's saying, did God really say, you know, to not eat of this fruit of the tree? And Eve is saying, well, God did say we shouldn't eat of it. That is what God said. And then she added like, and we can't touch it, which is a good rule of thumb or practice to not even get near sin. But God didn't say that. So it was a little bit of, I think, why Eve went astray is because she added to God's word. Um, but if you keep going, you know that the, the devil basically tempts Eve to sin. And then she gives to her husband and they eat and they sin. And in verse 15, um, there's a very interesting promise, which is actually the first prophecy um, uh, speaking about Satan and this controversy between Satan and the devil and Jesus in verse 15, it says, and I will put enmity between thee, speaking of the serpent and the woman between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Basically, this is a prophecy of the coming Messiah who would save the human race, which is Jesus Christ. And this, uh, the Messiah in the process of crushing the head of the serpent, um, it would bruise or hurt uh, the heel of, of the son of God. And we see that on the, on the cross. Now, how do I know that this serpent is indeed the devil? Now, that's the next question because we need to know our Bible. So that's let's go really quick to Revelation chapter 12. Just so you know, I'm not making this up. Um, and it talks about Revelation 12 is all about this controversy between Michael, who uh, is in essence the name of Jesus before he came um, to the earth. And uh, he's fighting against. Um, the devil. And in verse seven, in Revelation 12, verse seven, it says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought in his angels. And in verse nine, it depicts who is this dragon. And it makes it very clear. It says, and that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So basically we know that this serpent was in the Garden of Eden, and he is the devil, Satan, the dragon. <laughs> he has several names, all describing terrible, you know, aspects of his evil character. Um, you know, Satan means enemy. Devil, obviously, is just the evil, evil spirit. Dragon is, you know, this terrible beast or this terrible animal and serpent, this subtle and cunning, deceiving animal. And so um, just to show you one last verse to prove that the, he indeed um was in eden is it i believe in the book of ezekiel chapter 28 yes and in verse 13 just basically the com uh, the context of uh, ezekiel 28 is talking about the king of tyre and he um likens the king of tyre to the devil and in verse 12 um it talks about you know that this uh this prophecy is taken up against the king of tyre and in verse 13 it makes it very quick clear of Ezekiel 28 verse 13. It says, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, diamond, barrel, onyx, jasper, 
um, sapphire, emerald, carbuncle, gold, the workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day thou wast created. Now, when you look at this, this cannot be the king of Tyre because the king of Tyre, um, which is, you know, Tyre was in Lebanon and that came about way after Eden. And so it's talking definitely about the devil. Um, and if you keep going to verse 14, it says, thou art the anointed cherub that covers. We know that Satan was once a glorious angel or cherub and he was covering in the throne of God. He was the closest to God any angel could be, but he fell because if you keep reading, it was because he let his beauty get to himself and he had pride. And so um, was the devil in Eden? Yes, absolutely. Uh, no question about it. And that's why, sadly, he was tempted into sin and, um, and, and in essence, tempted her husband into sin as well. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very thorough. Um, the only thing... Man, if there's just one more verse I would add, it's uh, Jesus said that Satan is the father of all lies. Yes. And so the lie in Eden, Satan was the father of it. Even more evidence that it's all from him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, spot on. That's a great question. Yes. Thank um, you so much. Our Facebook yes. one. <laughs> yes. So. And we actually have another question here, potentially from the same person. Uh, I'm not sure. Um and so we can go ahead. Uh, do you want to answer that one? And maybe first, uh, just give shout out to Susie who's joining oh, us. Yes. And we're we just praise God that thanks to technology, you are able to uh, also see and understand us. So yes, praise God for that. And then, yep. Oh, we have a, a comment following up from our last discussion. Well, I'm the serpent. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, Great. I said my friend. And then I spell her name S U Z Y. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> awesome. So. That's so cool. I forgot that you knew sign language. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Only a little. Okay. So, so next question is Do you think it's possible for mankind's morality can ever exceed the objective truth and morality of God? So there's a verse that comes to mind to me that's Isaiah 55 9. And it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your mm -hmm. thoughts. So God's here telling us that he is on a level that's way beyond us. And the word ways there is often, I think, associated with God's laws and his, his morality. And mm -hmm. we really should be seeking his ways, not straying from his ways. Sin is often compared to straying from God's, God's ways. Um, and it's interesting that Christianity, when it started off, is first called the way. Christ showed a new way of living and the way to life, mm -hmm. the way to God. So it's definitely different. Whereas compared to the world, what are we told? Uh, James 4.4, 4, it says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Mm -hmm. The world thinks it's wise. The world thinks it's moral. The world thinks it's good. But it's really not. At mm -hmm. its core, it's not God godly. God, His ways is love, mm -hmm. right? God is love. And the world, in the world, we're selfish. We're looking at ourselves. We're panicking. We're in fear. And those things are driving our decisions. Whereas God is just above it all. He sees everything, knows mm -hmm. everything, loves everybody. 
and is wanting us to live up to that standard, which will always be higher than any standard we can. And it took Jesus coming on the cross to show us what God's love and his ways are really like, that God is willing to self-sacrifice to show he loves us and to bring us back to him. So, yeah, he's way, way beyond our morality and comprehension. It's going to take us millions of years, all of eternity, to even comprehend God's love. Yeah, I think a lot of times, um, you know, we are in this world, you know, especially I think in a lot of educational systems and such, you're in this small group and it, and, and they teach a lot of things and you become an expert at that thing. And then a lot of people develop from that concept, the, like that they have full understanding and they know everything that there is to know, but it's really because the world is so small that they're in, the bubble is so small and they haven't really gotten a full understanding of God's like mm. immense amount of love and awesomeness. And, you know, so I think a lot of people end up getting kind of caught up in this sort of limited way of thinking that, uh, oh, there's all this great science, there's all this knowledge, there's, you know, there's all of this stuff that's available to us today that we have, that that people before us didn't have, and so there's kind of this superiority complex that develops. But I kind of hate to break it to you, actually I don't, because it's really important to understand that, like, God's ways are so much bigger, so much more vast. And no matter how much knowledge we know and how much understanding we have, like it's still a drop in the bucket or a drop in the ocean compared to all that God knows and has. And, you know, that's what his word tells us. And we can understand components of it. And it's awesome the more we get to experience God's love in our life and understand more of his ways. But it is so much more beyond us than, mm -hmm. you know, than any human walking this earth has the Amen. ability to understand and at and understand not just in mind but in in wholeness really deeply understand and be able to operate you know understand it well enough to be able to operate according to it it's 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 massive so cal green uh it's good to see you cal we missed you like last week and he says no it's not good the world's theirs uh lusty things and it's bad that's why he doesn't want us to be or yes. love the world yes. and i guess we should clarify what do we mean, we mean when we say the world i mean we are talking about just the world in general which is very corrupt we're not talking about necessarily individuals god does love individuals we are called to love the individuals like there's gorgeous nature out there we're supposed to love the nature god created but yeah this world as we know it is not going to be our home. God's going to wipe it out and start over, create a new heavens and a new earth. That's what we really should be looking forward to. And we might get to talk a little bit more about that later today. Mm -hmm. Awesome. But yeah, we're in the world, but shouldn't be of the world. All right, let's uh, take a look at the next question, perhaps. Yes. Are you ready to put that up? So this question is, how can God be Jesus while God told us to wait for his son from heaven? Please explain that. Philip is asking. So thank you, Philip. That is an incredibly deep and profound question. One that gets really at the heart of Christianity, right? You know, how is Jesus God? How can he be? 
and we need to just take a step back first and uh, <laughs> sorry we're fighting over for the mouse my mouse <laughs> all right so let's take a look at first john three sixteen. let's take a look look at that so how can jesus be god and son at the same time so for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and this verse can be a source of a lot of confusion, right? We see God and we see this son concept and we see that word begotten. What does that mean? We think, you know, almost like God somehow gave birth to Jesus and so therefore Jesus must be secondary or not equal to God. But that word begotten means it's, in Greek it's monogenous. Uh, what it means is a one of a kind. So Jesus is a one-of-a-kind son of God because we know we're all going to be called sons and daughters of God. That's what he wants to call us. We're his children, but we're more kind of like the adopted children. And then the angels, the Bible calls angels sons of God, but they're created beings still. But God, Jesus is one-of-a-kind. That's what it's saying. It's, he's a son of God, but he's one-of-a-kind. It's not telling us that he was born out of God or something like that. It's, uh, it's just he's... He's unique and beyond us in any way we, beyond what we can comprehend. So that's important context there. Now, what are we told about Jesus though? We're told in John 1, starting at John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. And there can be no doubt that this Word is talking about Jesus. We could do more a Bible study on it, but Jesus is often referred to as the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So, Jesus is there with God, and He also Himself is God. He was in the beginning with God. In the beginning. This is before anybody else was there. Anybody was around. Jesus was there in the beginning. And, get this, all things that were made were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the one doing all these things. Jesus is very, very special in the sense of how the Godhead decided to break up roles. So yeah, God, there's arrangement between Jesus and the Father, and Jesus says the Father is, a, is somehow above me, but, but he's not saying that I'm not God. He's not saying I'm not all-powerful also. He's just saying they have, in a sense, a, an arrangement Almost like a, a, the closest an analogy he gives is like a father-son relationship. And, and in the Bible times, the eldest son, that firstborn son, was, was almost as good as, you know, or having a lot of the authority of the father, or seen to be the inheritor of the father's authority. So it's a big deal. So when the Bible also refers to Jesus as the firstborn, it's not necessarily saying Jesus was the first one born of the father. What it's saying is, He's in a very high position. He's a very special position and should be seen as the heir, the one who will have the power and authority. And we are told later on Jesus will be given all, all power and authority. He will be the one who will reign. The Father is happy to see that happen. The Father is happy to see Jesus lifted up and glorified and magnified and the one receiving praise. And Jesus is the one through whom we have that special connection with because he became like us and died for us experience all of our temptations so jesus is unique so he is the word 
that became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory only of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And you might hear objections in, in the Old about the Old Testament where it says uh, in Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. One God. But that word one is the same word one that's used for a man and a woman shall become one flesh. Is this concept of multiple or like two things becoming one thing or two or three things becoming one thing. You see that word one again in Genesis 1 where it says, and the evening and the morning were one day. Talking about the first day of creation. Two parts, the evening and the morning becoming one day. So it's the same thing. The, the Bible is not saying there is just one single God, one entity that's God. It's saying there's a unity of beings who are God. And so we end with John 10, uh, starting at verse 30. John 10, verse 30, it says, I and my Father are one. This is Jesus speaking. I and my Father are one. And what does the next verse say? Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Why do they want to stone him? Because they understood Jesus was claiming to be God. So, so yes, Jesus is, we could say, Son of God, but Jesus also is God himself. Awesome. Tina, did you have any other questions on that, or shall we dive straight to our next question? Next question? I think that was perfect. All right. All right actually, we did have a new question, oh. I think. Um, uh, uh, let's see here. Come in the chat. Oh, well, we have a follow-up regarding the serpent first. Um, would you like to read his comment, Wendy? Sure. Okay, so... Or it could be a her, too, I should say. Yeah, this user, Facebook <laughs> user, says, uh, Thanks for attempting to answer my question. Serpent means mankind's spirit and uprising rejection and rebellion against God in the presence of God. Devil means as above, though when separated from God's presence. Satan, demonic spirits, adversary, delight, negative energy of influence, lawlessness, and chaos. Dragon means both mankind and Satan in unity, in uprising, rejection, and rebellion against God, in war against God and all things of God. Spiritual meaning and application with a... Uh, looks like looks like uh, the app we use can't pull all the information from yeah. the comment. Maybe our uh, director will try to get the rest of that. But I think what you're saying is um, these terms aren't necessarily to be literal. Like there isn't a literal person who's Satan. There isn't a literal dragon. There isn't literal uh, these things. So to some degree, that's true. Like in Revelation, that dragon isn't a literal dragon. It is a figurative portrayal of the Satan, which, as Tina says, means the enemy. We don't have that person's real name. Maybe it is Lucifer. Maybe that was his real name. Again, it might even be in a language we don't use today. The Bible is using these titles to more tell us about that person. Satan is the enemy. He is the accuser. Sorry, that's more what uh, Satan means. It means the, more the accuser, like the prosecutor in a trial who wants us to, you know, face the penalty of death. That's, that's this Satan. And there's a lot to the Bible that shows that the agencies of darkness are very organized. 
you know, we rage not war against against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. And as as heaven is extremely well organized, you can be assured the forces of darkness are very well organized. And there's as there's a top in heaven, there's going to be a top in in um, the forces of evil. There's always this parallel you see in in the Bible. There's always a yin for a yang almost uh, for every good. There's an evil. And Revelation, you know, you have like in a sense the Holy Trinity, the evil Trinity. You have the um, the three angels messages we might talk about you have the three frogs messages so it's uh there really is i think the bible telling to t trying to tell us again and again there are literal beings who are the forces of darkness and it's not just uh, a metaphor for people rebelling against god there literally are people there it's not a force it's not um just an energy or darkness we are raging war against sentient smart extremely smart beings who were kicked out of heaven who are rebelling against god and they want to take us away from god and they want us to suffer death they want us to die and the bible uses at times metaphors they might even call it sin itself like in romans 7 and 8 talks about sin enticing and trying to um, bring death in us that's a metaphor for what Satan and his his demons, his evil forces are trying to do to us every day. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how we understand there's the an, Bible. There's another comment question here. Well, um, can, sorry, um, Wendy. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think the rest of the the comment from them is here and uh, on the side. Is that what you were going to read? Uh, no, I think Jay kind of addressed that. There's another one here. Um, was that, it go to a, a prior question? That kind of goes to the to the prior question that I think Jay could answer. So uh, this Facebook, another Facebook user asked. I think it's the same person. Or same but, person. Um, so I'm a father. Would I let a liar, murderer, and thief into my house and let him lay and wait to destroy my family? No, I wouldn't. Would you? I don't think so. So how is it possible that mankind's morality can exceed God's objective truth and morality, especially considering that all mankind have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Do you not see something is up here? Where did darkness come from? God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Um, okay, so I think that that's an interesting point. So but basically your suggestion is we're not worthy to be in the presence of God unless we're absolutely as loving and as perfect in every way as he is. And... Um, the Bible never gives that. I mean, it does say, like, be holy as I am holy, be perfect like as I am perfect. But what it's getting at is we're supposed to be in the image of God. We're kind of going to be a reflection of him. He's going to be like the sun, and we're supposed to be like the sun, moon, and stars. So we're supposed to be playing it out. God is love. If we're going to be an image of God, we should be love also. But it's not going to be to the same degree. And I do believe that um, that God does want to see perfection or, or love perfected in us so that when we get to heaven, we will be loving just like mm -hmm. the angels. But I think we all, all of us, are going to have to still develop that over a period of time. And, and as you're talking about, are you getting that? Like, yeah, the angels are not going to want sinners in heaven. Right? They don't want, they already suffered the angels fighting, uh, you know, with Satan leading the evil angels, 
in, in battle in there, losing their friends, losing their neighbors, and they've seen the pollution, the sickness, the death, the theft, the, the hurt, everything that sin causes. They don't want to see that again. And this is actually really good leading to another question we want to go to, which is, yeah, why is God allowing sin and suffering to go on? What's the big deal about that? Yeah, and I think that's kind of getting more to the heart of the question is why did God allow so he ends the question this person ends the, ends the comment here with did corruption enter the world before or after the fall of adam and eve and why would god allow uh that you know uh, allow satan to access his you know god's people knowing how vulnerable humankind is so um is that something you're going to address in an upcoming question or do you want to talk um, about that? Because I know you've I, yeah. talked about this many times. So Yeah, I, I love going in there. Tina, would you like to chime in now? I've, I've done a lot of speaking. Would you like to talk to that about why did God give Adam and Eve a choice to to turn against him? Yeah, no. And so I hear what the this person is saying. Um, and, you know, I appreciate the question because it's kind of, I, I think this is a very valid question to be like, why, if God is so good, is he allowing this yeah. evil being access to his precious children like would i yeah let anybody have access mm -hmm. to my kids absolutely not yeah. <laughs> no way so it's kind of it's a tricky question because do i believe that you know satan was um allowed uh, to tempt adam and eve i do however i do believe that god gave adam and eve everything that they needed in order to overcome this temptation however they chose they made a choice and I think that that's kind of where you have to be at, you know, they weren't babies. They mm -hmm. were, you know, um, yeah. they were adults. And I think that's like, you know, when you become an adult and you have kids, yeah, nobody's going to touch your baby. But when your kids grow up and they're an adult, it's like you kind of have to let them in the world and to start making decisions of their own. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, I think that God put limits on Satan as far as how much he could tempt them. Like, I mean, he just said, don't mm -hmm. eat the fruit. That was that was the limit. That's a pretty small test. And so mm -hmm. I think that, you know. Yeah, that was the only know. way Satan was allowed to have access to them. Exactly. The only way. And I tell people, it's like, you're a teacher. And let's say you tell your students, you could write anywhere on this piece of paper. Just don't write in this one little corner in this box I showed you. If you write in that box, you're going to get an F. But if you write anywhere, do anything else with this paper, you get an A. And then we get, let's say, then I'll get a kid gets upset because you wrote in that little corner it's like that's the easiest test in the world in mm -hmm. in some ways yeah exactly and so it was it that god was letting mm -hmm. satan come at them full blast in all yeah. his fury no absolutely not god put a lot of limits but god did allow a small test and i think mm -hmm. that that where we see God's fairness and justice and mercy and we see our <laughs> foolishness mm -hmm. and our absolute yeah. need for Jesus and a savior and to learn our lessons. So yeah, and, I appreciate and, the question though. And and the what there's a lot that happened there with the temptation. I mean, part of it was rejecting God's instruction and disobeying it, but also what was Satan doing? Satan's casting doubts. Oh, is that what God really said? Is God really right that you're going to die? You're not going to die. Mm -hmm. So he's just trying to get them to doubt God, not listen to God, not have faith, not to love God. You know, I'm trying to suggest, hey, God, God's really trying to lord it over you. God doesn't want you to achieve your full potential. You know, all these sort of suggestions there. And, and what did Adam and Eve choose then? 
wow, I want to be smarter. I want to be God. I don't want God holding me back. Mm. That was, in a sense, the mentality then that they had when they took that fruit. So it was kind of a big deal. It was a rejection of the love that God expects of his children to have. And if you can't love God, how can you love the other creations of God, God's other people, your brothers and sisters? And hence, because they weren't loving, they had to be kicked out of the garden. They had to be kicked out of the presence of of God and the holy people. Mm-hmm. So, and and so, yeah, the plan of salvation is about restoring us, getting us back to a point where we can know what it's like to love again, and that we can be safe to be around the other perfect beings. That's that's a major part. There's rehabilitation of the human race, mm-hmm. and just as God wanted to give Adam and Eve a choice an option to disobey him, he's giving us a choice now. Do we want to continue rebelling or do we want to let God continue to work on our heart to bring us closer to him in harmony with his amazing ways Mm -hmm. so that we can dwell peacefully with God and with everybody else that God has created? I mean, that's really the end of the, what this all is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, I also just want to say hello. I saw Vanessa had joined us and Olivia had joined us. So thank you guys so much for uh, chiming in and joining us here this evening. And um, I think we are moving on to our next question. Oh, and Body's with us also. So thank you so much for joining us. Nice. Lots of our friends. Um, Let's go ahead and get our next question up here. And and this is related to the topic we've been going into. So uh, Facebook user, thank you. These are excellent questions, ones mm-hmm. lots of people grapple with. So let's dig even further. Uh, yeah. So we have this uh, uh, person, Ridgia, right? How do we Yeah, I think so. It? Something along those lines. We apologize if we don't get your name correct. I like but, the name. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a pretty name. Um, how can a go- good God allow people to go to hell? Why didn't God just forgive Adam and Eve? Why doesn't God stop suffering? Why did God allow Satan to control this universe? If God was omnipotent, why doesn't God stop Satan? Wow, this really ties into, yeah, a lot yeah, of stuff exactly. we've just been talking about. This is a, um, there's a lot of questions in there. I'm sure you can handle them, Tina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tina's on mute. I Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I've got a little situation here. But uh, no, I think I saw you written some uh, verses, but I, th- I think we're perfect. So I, I think Jay has a great answer. Unless, All right. If that's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm doing so much talking today. But. That's okay. I usually do. I never stop talking. So <laughs> it's good to, to do some listening. So I have two ears and one mouth. And you've got a little one there who needs some attention. So <laughs> Yeah, she's sick this week. So Let me fix our camera just... Yay, no, I'm brighter. All right. So, where do we start in this? Well, I always suggest we start with the key to the Bible. The fundamental key to understanding the Bible is this. 1 John 4, 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. We need to see everything in the Bible through the lens God is love. I mean, if you believe the Bible is true, then this verse must be true, And if you're reading a verse to not be consistent with this verse, you need to go back and understand its context and try to understand how is this showing us God is love. And I think we already talked about a little little bit, you know, why did God have to kick Adam and Eve out of the garden? Because they rebelled against God, they rejected God, they wanted to listen to Satan, 
they said we trust Satan more than God, and God's like, okay, I you know I have this deal with Satan, and you chose to go with Satan. Now, now you guys, I you can't have access to the, to the tree of life because then you would live forever. And the worst thing to have is a is a murderer, thief, adulterer, sinner living forever and destroying the universe, destroying themselves. So God kicks him out, cuts him off from the tree of life. But none of this means God didn't forgive them. God forgave them, right? Because it says God made them clothes out of lambskin. And that lambskin had to come from a lamb. A lamb died that day. God put in place the plan of salvation. As we heard Tina talk about earlier, God promised that um, that day the seed of a woman would come and would crush the head of the serpent, but he would be bruised in his heel. He was pledging that Christ would come and would die for us. So he forgave them and he provided uh, the plan of salvation. And that part of that plan of salvation is mankind is now going to be on probation. We, you know, we'll have our short lives to live during which we can choose whether to rebel against God or accept his gift of salvation and choose to obey his wonderful requirement to love everybody and to love God. And note, note this, Genesis 2.17, God's warning says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it you shall surely die. Notice the punishment there is not you're going to burn forever and ever and ever and ever. It is the day you eat it you shall surely die. The wages of sin is not burning forever, it's death. You're going to die. So, God, because he's so merciful, because he is forgiving, didn't immediately kill Adam and Eve. He had the right to under the law to do it, but he didn't. And it's probably same similar reason. Why didn't he immediately kill Satan? Because I say Satan's under the same law. Satan has sinned, and Satan could be destroyed right away if God wanted. Same thing for Satan and all of his other angels. So why is God holding out? Why is God holding out? And by the way, we, we talked about John 3.16 earlier, right? For God so loved the, the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Who has the everlasting life? Those who believe God. It doesn't say the sinners are going to have everlasting life burning forever. It says, no, the alternative to having everlasting life with God is perishing, being destroyed. So the Bible's so consistent on that. There's a couple verses which I, I understand how you can, uh, most people might think they mean um, burning forever and ever, but do you go with that understanding from a couple verses? Or is the greater weight, it's better to believe what 99% of the Bible says? That 99 should inform then that, that other 1% that seems to be in conflict of it. it means we're not reading those verses correctly. So, why did Adam and Eve have to be kicked out, though? Why? What happened? Isaiah 59, 2, it says, But your iniquities, our iniquities, have separated us from God. It's sin that separates us from God. It's not necessarily God separated us from Him. We need to start looking at it as it's our sins. What we're doing is separating us from God. We're separating ourselves from God. If we want to approach God, we need to start being in harmony with Him. 
And it's for our own protection, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like if you were, if we were to be in the presence of God, what would happen to us? What would happen to us? Well, look at look at uh, you know when Moses was before God, and no, it was so bright, and nobody else could be there. It was it was blinding. Yeah, and was, just and just Moses coming from being in the presence of God, he was so bright and luminous, people couldn't even stand to look at Moses. Right, right. Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. I mean, God is in this. His holiness is just so amazing. Like you take even the prophets like Isaiah and Daniel, these people, when they're in the presence of even just an angel, they fall down. They can't even handle the presence of an angel. Mm -hmm. What can we do in the presence of God? So whenever we see God in the Bible, if he's showing his glory, if he's truly in his divine form, he's wrapped up in a cloud. He's doing something to conceal his his divinity. Like Christ, he came wrapped up in flesh to hide his his divinity so that we can be around him and approach him. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's a very important concept there of, of what's going on. And then we come to, let's take a look at 2 Corinthians 5.18. It says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Is there a word that keeps showing up again and again and again there? Reconciliation. Reconciliation, exactly. And, and is it that God needs help to reconcile himself to us no he's constantly doing that he's constantly yeah. trying to do that but we keep getting in the way of it he's more like that parent right where a kid has walked out and left the home and the dad the mom wanted to do everything to get that kid back want to reestablish that relationship mm-hmm. and the kid keeps saying mom dad i don't want to have anything to do with you the parents are trying to reconcile they're trying to bring it back mm-hmm. that's how it is with god god wants to be able to bring us back into his home into his fold into his loving environment. That's and, what he wants. And, and let's be clear, the reason that that kid left wasn't because that kid had an issue with mom and dad and left. It was because somebody else told that kid a lie that made that kid doubt the relationship mm. with mom and dad. And and that's why the kid left, because the kid was told a lie. And the parent is just there thinking, what has just happened? How have I lost my child? What, you know, the parent was not guilty of, Mm -hmm. of anything in that situation. God was not guilty of, of failing Adam and Eve at all. The only thing God did was, or just like those parents, those parents didn't say, I'm going to lock you in a room and make sure you never leave me. Out of love, they trusted their kid. So just like God trusted Adam and Eve, to have love, you have to have trust. You mm-hmm. have to give breathing room. You have to allow people to have choices because forced love is not real love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, exactly. so God has to, or God chooses, he doesn't have to, right? But he chooses to prove his love, to win us back. Mm-hmm. And he also chooses to go out of his way to prove how bad sin is. Now, can you imagine the moment Satan starts thinking sinful things thoughts in his head, God just burns him up, disappears. He tells angels, everybody, you know, 
uh, Satan was starting to think some really bad things. I couldn't risk having him around for your benefit. Just mm -hmm. trust me. <laughs> Can you imagine all the angels are just staring? They're like, whoa, where did he go? Why did God do that? Would God do that to me? Wow, God seems like such a tyrant. Right. I'm really now scared of this God. Right. God didn't do that. He is so patient because mm -hmm. he wants to demonstrate just how bad sin is just how awful it is, why it can never be tolerated. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's even go back for a moment here about uh, the... for a moment here about being in the presence of God. Can we even afford to do that? Um, let's look at Exodus 24, verse 17. Exodus 24, verse 17. It says, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain. Consuming fire. The glory of God is like a consuming fire. If we jump now to Isaiah 33, verses 14 to 16, it says, The sinners of Zion are afraid. Fearless has, fear, fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. They say, who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with the everlasting burnings? Oh, there's everlasting fire. Where is this? He who dwells, or he who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and who shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of the rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. So, who is the person that will dwell in the everlasting fire, according to Isaiah 33, 14-16? Is it the wicked, or is it the righteous? The righteous. It's the righteous. Wow. Stop, stop thinking about that. Who's dwelling in hell? <laughs> what most people think is hell, right? The everlasting burning fire. It's the righteous. The presence of God, God's glory is everlasting fire. So we, when God talks about in the Bible, I want to refine you. Like I'm a fire and I want to refine you. And it talks about gold. What's special about gold is gold doesn't deteriorate in fire. Gold gets purified. So in Revelation 3, God says, I want my church, I want you to be to buy of me gold refined in the fire. God wants us to be like that gold that we can stand in his presence. To be able to stand. Like if you look in Revelation 6, at the end of that chapter, it ends with the question. The world is being devastated. You know, God is appearing and people are quaking in their knees and they shout, Who can stand? Mm -hmm in the presence of God, who can stand in the presence of the Lamb. And we know, we know, that's right, we got it up on the screen, Revelation 6, 17. We're told here in Isaiah 33, it is the righteous, God's righteous people who can stand in His presence and stand in His glory, the fiery flames, the consuming flames of God's love. And if we are not in harmony with God and we're rejecting Him, those flames can become flames of destruction and devastation to us. That would be, it would literally be hell for, a righteous, for an unrighteous person 
to live in the presence of God. They will not be able to live in the presence of God. That is eternal torment, to live forever and ever and ever in the presence of God and hate God and reject God. I, I just, I I just, just got to... Sorry. Oh, Tina, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just thinking, um, you know, that goes so perfectly um, with the verse that I always think about when I think about, you know, <laughs> you know, what is hell and what is, you know, the the destruction of the wicked? What is their um, reward? And it's it's very clear when you look at the verse in Psalms 37, 20, and it says, but the wicked shall perish, just like John 3, 16, the, you know, those that don't believe, they perish. And it makes it even more clear in here in Psalms 37, 20. Um, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke. They shall consume away. And mm. so burn, but they burn up. And just like, you know, it says like the fat of lambs, because back when they did the the daily sacrifice, they, they offered a lamb and they would burn the fat. And that was a symbol of sin. And just like um, sin, if we cling to sin, we'll, we'll consume away with it. And it burns up because that's, <laughs> that's the way it goes. And I know that there's a verse in Revelation where people say, oh, it says that the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And I was like, yeah, the smoke does. But that doesn't mean they're burning still. This, there's mm -hmm. smoke up because they just like smoke you know consume away and so um and i think that's a fair and a just god who just says you don't want to be with me okay in me is life if you if you don't have mm -hmm. me life so you're mm -hmm. choosing death and here you're destroyed and that's it and so i think that god in his mercy allows that and, and i you know i don't think that's his will for any of us but i think yep. merciful in doing that and can I just say, like, what a powerful concept this is that you just talked about here. I mean, I don't, I, I feel like we need to take a minute to pause and reflect on this, that most people think of hellfire as the place where people are just destroyed and or no, no, suffering. No. Actually, yeah, yeah, suffering sorry, forever people, and ever. Where people are just suffering forever and ever. God will reconstruct their bodies so he could just burn it again somehow. Yeah, which is just weird it just doesn't even make sense with the character of god, god is so sadistic and yeah, yeah. when he was talking about the lie being told about god one of the biggest lies being told about god is this idea he does want to burn forever and ever right the wicked and so so but what what you have also done here is you have connected this consuming fire to being a place where righteousness stands like that you just completely flipped on the head what this concept that that we understand as this consuming fire is about. Most mm -hmm. people think of it as the fire where wicked suffer. You just said it's the fire where righteousness stands and mm -hmm. is actually able to 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 stand and be strong and um and I don't mean like Oh, I'm stronger than you, strong. No, but like, but just be able to stand on your two feet. Just be there and just yeah. be like, there's fire on me, and, and okay. whatever. There's fire on me. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right. in the I, furnace. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whoa, yeah. like mind blown. How big of a concept that that is. A different perspective that is that a healing perspective that is because that says like. It's not about running away from a fearful God. Like it's about running to a, a care the the character and the the love of God that is like though the world though everything around me is burning that is evil, 
I'm still okay. Yeah, I once. Oh, sorry. I, was, I, was, I wanted to say one more thing on that also, which is though the the sin and the evil and the wickedness that may be a part of me is being burned away. I am still standing there okay because I am choosing righteousness. I'm choosing to hang on to the good and and let the evil be burned away. And let away. the evil be burned away. Yeah. Yeah. Mind blowing. <laughs> I I know and I once heard um in a sermon a, a pastor express it that God wants to make us fireproof. And mm -hmm. that stuck with me because I was like, that's absolutely true. If we are are free from sin, if we are clinging to Jesus and his righteousness, we will be fireproof. Just like you're saying, our brothers, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, mm -hmm. and Abednego, the fiery furnace with Jesus, you know, um, and I think that's so important to keep in mind, you know, the, the reality of what the Bible is saying about fire and eternal fire and, and what that means. Because, you know, I think that the devil has done a really good job in portraying mm -hmm. God as this evil He's going to burn you in hell forever. And that's yeah. not God's character. God no. has got love. And yeah. so, yeah, I totally am with you on this, um, on this, you know, train of thought, because this is absolutely, you know, us def not just defending, you know, God as far as, you know, the Bible homiletics, but this mm -hmm. is defending the character, who he is and mm -hmm. he is love. Yeah, exactly. And talk about that, God's character. Like, let's take a look at Isaiah 28 starting at verse 21 and and we're talking about here something that god doesn't like doing and he only wants to do one time so isaiah 28 verse 21 it says for the lord will rise up as at mount perizim he will be angry as in the valley of gibeon that he may do his work his awesome work and bring to pass his act his unusual act it's unusual because he normally does not do this. This is not what he likes to do. But And what is this? We're talking about verse 22. Now, therefore, do not be mockers, lest your bonds be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord God of hosts a destruction determined upon the whole earth. Look at this. A destruction. The whole world is going to be destroyed. Like you read Peter... Uh, I think Jude, they all talk about that the whole world, inclu including the heavens, our atmosphere, everything is going to melt away in fervent heat. God's just going to burn everything, start over. So when we talk about not loving this world, like, yeah, don't get too attached because nothing you see here is going to be left. Mm -hmm. It's all going to be burned. And then we get to Revelation 21, I believe it is, where it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And actually, oh, I have a verse here that that have new heaven and new earth reference in Revelation is actually quoting Isaiah. Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be re remembered nor come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing mm -hmm. and her people a joy. God wants to create a happy, joyful, peaceful place where we can all feel safe. We're not going to have our stuff stolen. We're not going to have people lie to us, just like as the, the, face, the Facebook user said. God doesn't want his children to have any wicked people around them to hurt his love, the people he loves. Mm -hmm. This is why he's so 
angry at sin because he's seen sin hurting the people he loves. He never wants to see that happen mm -hmm. ever again. And the only way to make sure that never happens again is by truly condemning sin, making sure that sin never ever comes back. And so Jesus came in the flesh and in doing so he condemned sin in the flesh. But it takes a long time. Proverbs 15, 18. Proverbs 15, 18. It says, A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Mm -hmm. The one who is patient calms a quarrel. God is waiting so patiently to calm this huge, huge, massive conflict he has with Satan. Satan is rebellious. He's raging the war. And God has to do it the right way to stamp it down and make sure it will never come up a second time. And that's exactly what the Bible says. Um, let me pull up that verse. I think Ezekiel. Yeah. Ezekiel 28, verse 18 to 19. Oh, no, no, no. That's not it. I uh, know I have it somewhere. Tina. Oh, is it Nahum? Yeah, it's Nahum. Nahum 1 9. It says, What do you conspire against the Lord? He will make an utter end of it. He's going to make an utter end of sin. Affliction will not rise up a second time. Why not? Because God has let sin run its full course. God has shown that sin will always lead to the murder and kill and suffering of the innocent, the people who don't deserve it. This is why Christ had to come as a perfect human being, not sin, and yet still have sin kill him. And this is why just before Christ comes again, God's going to have a people who will have the character of Christ perfected in them. And they will again show the love of Christ and the love of God to the world. And the world will, love, will hate them and want to kill them just because they are perfect, because they are loving, because they are on God's side. And it's at that time that God will have to intervene to protect them and bring an end to sin. At that time, that's when it's done. Sin has shown just how wicked, how terrible it is. And the universe will know for a certainty God is good and sin must be wiped out. Yeah, so powerful. It really is. And God is so good in how he deals with us and, you know, not according to our sins, but according to his mercy. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just so grateful that that is the God that we serve. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that he's, he is loving even in how he deals with sinners and, you know, rebellion. So um, I we hope that- couple, We had a couple comments here from Olivia as well. Mm -hmm. She says, uh, God is a God of love and justice. Burning a person who sinned for 70 years is not just. Therefore, eternal fire is not according to God's character or yeah. nor nature. Evil humans cannot wish eternal eternal cannot wish eternal hell that for their children. So how could a loving God be that way? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. That says it all. So um I think we are out of time for this evening. Um Yes, I think so too. As much as I want to, I know we have more questions, <laughs> but I want to answer them, but we do want to respect your time. Uh, yeah. To our viewers, you know, this is a one-hour program, so we don't want to keep you here all night. But we do want to remind you that if you do have questions, please go to our website at bibleask.org forward slash live, and you can submit your questions there. 
and we're very happy to have um, answer them on our weekly show. And hopefully we'll get to finish getting to the rest of the questions that we got this yeah. last week. And we're so grateful for the ones that came in live tonight. They were very good questions. So we really yes. appreciate to our viewers uh, for interacting with us. And we just want to remind everybody to check us out um, on our Facebook, uh, YouTube, as well as Twitch platforms, and as well as podcasts, just uh, enter in Bible Ask. And uh, before we go, we also just want to remind everybody to please like and share our material because it's a great and easy way uh, to spread the gospel to your friends and family. And we really appreciate uh, you as our viewers um, joining and partnering with us in praying for us and sharing our material so that we can continue to um, use uh, God's word uh, or to answer Bible questions and, and spread the gospel by answering God's uh, answering questions through God's word. Uh, we're so grateful to you, our viewers. Um, we just pray you're blessed this week and um, pray that you continue to catch us again next week on Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, but before we go, can we say a quick word of prayer? Yes, absolutely. Wendy, would you mind praying? Sure. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this chance to um, to be here this evening, to be able to do this week after week, for this opportunity that you give mm -hmm. us to share your word of love with people. And um, we thank you also, Lord, for the work that you are doing in our own hearts and and minds and souls, bodies, everything to draw us closer to you and help us to know your character better. And um, we pray that for each person who is able to join us and either live or tuning into the, the recordings of this, we ask also for an extra dose of your spirit to be upon them and um, that you will continue to work in their lives to connect with them in the ways that help them to know your love better and um, help them to see that, to recognize that and to respond to your love. And um, yeah, we just thank you so much for this Sabbath day that you give us to rest as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so you much. You are on you are on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> Am I yeah, unmuted? Yeah. No, now you're good. <laughs> I think I was unmuted and then muted myself, so I apologize. <laughs> we just want to thank everybody again for joining us and we wish you a wonderful weekend and a happy Sabbath. And we just pray you come back again uh, next week, Friday um, at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, be sure to like us and share our content. Thank you so much and God bless you. Bye. Bye-bye.